Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corbusero, and this is the MLR Breakdown. This is where we get all stuck into it. Round nine of MLR action is in the books. Tons to talk about, tons to happen. This is the place where we have, obviously, video, which is available on the Rugby Network and our YouTube page, and the audio as well, which is if you're listening, please check out all our content. Keep supporting the show, and it's time for the MLR Breakdown with myself, Todd Clever and Rob Hoadley. And now a word from our sponsor. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. Well, here it is, round nine of MLR Breakdown. And, uh, you know, what a weekend it was. It was definitely played favor on home field advantage. Five of the six games were won by the home team. Uh, the one that wasn't, uh, it was Toronto, and they don't really have a home, so you know you could throw that one in the air. Um, Corbs, what were your thoughts on, uh, on, on the round nine? Uh, I thought it was an exciting round. A uh, little different to last week's crazy finishes where not every game going down to the wire. It's a bit more, you know, some, some strong performance for some teams and some poor performances. It was great to see San Diego looking a lot better and, and getting a good win. And then the game at SoFi, you know, what an event, what an occasion. Um, competitive game too, which I thought was good for good for the league as well, but um, just an exciting time for the sport to get to see that. I knew you were pitch side, Tony, so we'll get into that. But, but on a whole, uh, another exciting round of MLR action in the books and uh, excited to break it down. And Hodes, do you have anything non-technical say about rugby? Any, anything as a fan or just straight to the yeah, nerdy? I just want to hear from you about SoFi, mate. I've, I've, I'm gutted I couldn't make it in the end. Um, but it just looked incredible. And just, you know, just again, the pictures of the players just going for their warm-up and their team run. And you've got world-class players that have done everything in the game. And they're looking around like, I've never seen anything like this, you know? And again, the pictures going around the world. Um, you know, I think the pictures are also going around the world of the boys in their uh, budgie smugglers riding to the games as well. I think that's uh, attracting a bit of interest from around the world. But again, p- players from around the world see that and they're, you know, they start thinking... It, you know, that could be for me. So uh, another brilliant event by uh, Adam Gilchrist and Groney Gilchrist. Uh, and uh, yeah, Todd, please just tell, tell us more about the atmosphere there. You know what? Let's, let's get into it. Let's start, let's start with the LA game, hosting Utah Warriors. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, right out of the cannon, the, the cannonball was out. Two minutes in, you, uh, LA scored. They're back to their ways. And, you know, speaking with Darren Coleman before the game, he said last week was not what they're about. They definitely want to rectify that. They wanted to come out, you know, and, and play a better better game. So they came out, uh, well, minus the, the opening kickoff, but uh, they, they came out two minutes, scored a try, but, you know, Utah answered. Uh, speaking with the coaches at Utah, they, they, they also wanted to know how, how much of the emphasis they wanted to put on defense. 
and especially on their set pieces. They wanted to stop their you know first few breakdowns. So um, you know I thought they did pretty good job. They they strung some plays together and and, and got that victory uh, you know going. But that atmosphere, I mean, like you said, that brand new five billion dollar stadium. Everybody's eyes were just like, "Whoa, this is a real thing." And and it, and ultimately, I mean, walking out there early, as you know, coaches were facetiming their families, you know, in other parts of the country. Team, you know, everybody was a tourist. I mean, people, yeah. you know, couldn't couldn't hold back, uh, you know, having that. So, what an awesome stage! And hopefully, it's not going to be the only time that rugby is being played there. Hopefully, we can get the goalpost a little better. Hopefully, we can green out the the football lines. But other than that, you know, it was uh, it was definitely a spectacle. And, and everybody, you know, and, and they, they opened up at 5,000 seats and I think 4,800 plus, you know, you know, walk through the gates and it still looks so spread out until I left the stadium and to see the amount of cars, to see the amount of people, to see the atmosphere outside the, you know, pour into the streets of, uh, of that Hollywood park that, that they, that they created at SoFi stadium. So it was amazing. Um, the stadium was just unreal. People on both sides and fans definitely got their money's worth, and and it was it was enjoyable. Corbs, what were your, uh, what were your thoughts on it? I th- I thought it was a good like the spectacle looked incredible. Uh, I agree. You know, hopefully in the future, you know, bigger posts and and you know filling the lines in. I, it's just I I didn't grow up in America playing rugby, so my eyesight it's not it's just not used to seeing it on <laughs> football lines. You know, it's nothing. The field the state the field looked amazing. It looked fast. It was interesting to see how much of a bounce the ball was getting on that surface too. It seemed yeah. to be throwing throwing people off at, at, at times. And um, but but. It was a good game. I thought it was good for LA to start well, uh, you know, just to get back on the front, the right foot after a tough outing against New York. Um, I thought the set piece was a good tussle all game. Uh, the scrum, I thought LA was strong earlier and, and Utah came back into it as, as McClellan came on. I thought had a bit more oomph, as we like to use on on this pod. <laughs> Technical point. Yeah, at, at scrum time. And and I thought that the Utah looked quite dangerous at times and had a good game plan. I thought the amount of phases they were able to string against LA and keep hold of possession, knowing that LA is maybe quite a, you know, not a passive team, but they, they contained with their defense. And I thought Utah did a good job of, of playing through that. And then when they got momentum and, and that pitch did seem quite fast when ball carriers got on the front foot, that then they looked to play. And, and I thought they actually gave LA some trouble at times. And I thought defensively, they did quite a good job, especially in the middle of the field of just not giving LA that penetration on those carries off nine, using those forwards made it this that much harder for them to get, get that next phase of attack on the front foot and, and really get flowing. But at the same time, there was lots to be positive about LA they created a lot um the Ryberg try if he'd actually finished it would have been sensational and definitely would have been the try of the week I think um there were some great performances across the board it was good to see Gitto back and and you know on, on a whole I think it was just good to see them get back to winning ways get the bonus point uh didn't look to be like to take on any injuries from from my account and and on to the next game with a short turnaround against Austin that they play on Wednesday yeah from my point of view I, I just think Todd, you've had one week as a Hall of Famer. I mean, is this the sort of uh, uh, treatment you're expecting every week now? Oh, it's not bad, is it? <laughs> you know what? As, as long as I'm not uh, fitting that bill for that stadium or, yeah. or, or the steak dinner afterwards, um, I'll, I'll welcome it all day long, all season long. All yeah, you look good long. in there, Todd. It suited you, for sure. 
<laughs> just pit side with Perry Baker carving it up. Yeah. I loved it. It was good to see yeah, him. Up yeah. there. I, he was licking his lips. He wanted a game, didn't he, in the Olympics? <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, they, they, it's that's what LA and the glam and everything is about. You know, it's going to attract players. I mean, mm. you know, not to compare too much, but I mean. Uh, last week they played, you know, on another, you know, different surface. You look at other leagues, what they're playing on. Um, you know, teams are going to be playing there and just be like, I want an owner that treats us this well. I want to be, yeah. I want to be part of something that's great. I want to be part of this, you know, glamorous thing. And, you know, I've been in those shoes before and it's definitely enticing and, and uh, you know, makes your mouth water a little bit. Uh, yeah, and it was, uh, you know, the start, there was fireworks at the start because LA came out, you know, they back to their best of really running onto the ball. Goddard, obviously, a threat round the rut. Cottrell was just outstanding all game. Um, but it was brilliant to see Utah take that. And as Corb said, they went through multi-phase. They went 60 metres for their try, you know. Ended up with Mikey Teo uh, picking at the base, as he always is a threat there. A little offload, and Maholo takes three men over. That was fantastic. And, and Utah were actually... U Utah, they don't have a good defence, right? If we look at points conceded. But they've got the most dominant hits in the league. So if they can put their organisation together, they've got like 50 dominant hits in the league. It's way by far the most. If they can put some organisation there and get up in faces and, and stick those hits, um, they can be a force. And they were doing some other great things. They, they charged kicks down. They were putting pressure high up the field. They were forcing turnovers that they could play from. So that first 20 minutes, you, you know, they were hanging in there. But I just think ultimately, Corbs, that f the first choice front row for LA makes a huge difference. Um, and, you know, it, not just in the scrum, but they're very skillful players as well. So it allows them more options. They run onto the ball much harder than the, 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 the younger guys that they bring in behind them. So they're not fixing the inside defence as well last week as compared to this week. You can't sit off these fellas. They hit very hard in defence. And then you see the likes of uh, Vailanu getting a steal at a breakdown to, to add to Cottrell being a threat at the breakdown. I mean, the way the game's being refed in defence now. In MLR, they only used to... Uh, uh, ref the defence at the breakdown. They just only penalise the defence. But now they're looking at both teams and you can actually have a go in defence. And it actually makes it a be better spectacle from my money. No, absolutely. There's only one breakdown pet peeve that is kind of getting on my uh, nerves watching. And it's not indicative of everyone, but sometimes that, that not when the guy gets the turnover, but the, the attacker hasn't rolled away, and so that they actually give it the other way. I just feel like referees can do a better job of communicating that so that we don't get those penalties. You know, that it's, it's you're on the ball, you think you've got a clean turnover. It's very hard for you to tell in that split second if the if the um, tackler is rolled away or not. So just like JP Doyle, I thought, did a fantastic job of just feeding, you know, constant communication back so guys knew, even if they think they're legal, to leave it. And I just feel like that across the board would improve the product even more. It's just something I've noticed. And it might be sometimes a slightly more inexperienced referee or it might just be something that's not on their radar. But hopefully after listening to this, it will be now because I think it'll make a big difference that you just won't see silly penalties at times when a, a defence is actually doing a good job of trying to be legal and defending and then all of a sudden they think they've got a breakdown opportunity and they don't get it. Rant over. Carry you on know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to breakdowns with you guys, you know, the pretty skillful guy in the back and then the front row. I mean, I made, <laughs> I made a career, you know, at the breakdown of turning yeah. things around. So yeah. maybe I should have a say on, on 100%. this. 100%. Yeah, this um, is a specialist you, area for sure. You know, you know that's, that's the biggest thing is, you know, you want it to be a contest, you know, both sides. 
Um, but I also understand why they keep on changing it is the, you know, being able to watch the games now and, and being a fan is you want fluid rugby. You want to make sure that, you know, it, it's, it's decisive, the rules are set, but we're going to get more ball in play rather than more turnovers or more penalties or balls stuck inside of ruck. So it is a fine line, but hopefully they do get it squared away. But I, yeah. I definitely love seeing hard-nosed guys getting great positions over it, and like you, you know, like you said, Angus, you know, Angus just crushed yeah. it, you know, across it. And there's a lot of good players in the league that are that are getting those turnovers uh, and getting rewarded for that. If we take that element out of the game, we, we, we've got an issue because what was happening before previously? They were saying we want tries, we want running game, we want attractive. Okay, but if you can't uh, compete at the breakdown, there's going to be more defenders on the feet. There's going to be less space. Another thing, if you can't have a proper scrum contest, our game is in trouble. Because all that's happening at the moment is the scrums go like that, they collapse, and then they just rest go, uh, we've only got two scrums, so whatever happens, I don't care, just get the ball out. So now, what you, if I'm a coach, I'm not going to spend so much time on scrummaging. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the guys that can play around the field because scrums are no longer a contest. Now, if people aren't getting tired out by scrumming, there's, there's going to be less space in later phases because the props are less tired. So we're like we get we're getting this thing the wrong way around, I think. And it has been good. There has been less resets. We've got to be a little careful with how we handle the rules. And again, as I repeat over and over, the higher you go in the level of this sport, the more that every single element is a competition. So every tackle, like Todd Corbs, you've gone up levels way higher than me. But you, you know, I talk to the guys. What's the difference between Premiership, European, International, Lions Test, whatever? The higher you go up everything's a competition like every single time you go into contact you're like oh my days that i am under so much physical pressure here and i've got to be at my best to win every possession and that's what we've got to be prepared for if we're going to take our, our game up to that level i thought yep. rob as well i thought you were going to give a shout out for ryan james's kick through talking about american players and development oh, and it. everything what a nudge f from him yeah, yeah. to set up that goddard try i was i was i was like i didn't want to just go la cheerleader the mode i was waiting for you to pick up on it but for me as well just that silky little thing just evolution of the sport coming onto your theme about how the breakdowns are competition i just thought it was so good to see players like that thriving in, in that environment too and that's something I know RJ's worked hard on and, and I know Ryan has worked hard on that and for me it was just great to see it actually shown on the big stage with all the you know the starters out there and, and showing what he can do is a fantastic sign and I think something that Gary Gold's going to take notice of he looks quite a dangerous player at the moment. Yeah, and you couldn't wish it on a, a, a nicer young gentleman than Ryan James, right? Um, we had him at Legion. He was just a fraction away from playing, getting his debut, and, he, and then he moved on to get game time. I'm so happy for a young bloke like that, that he's getting all this game time. And if anyone wants to argue about the foreigners in the league, and it is a fair, valid argument, then look at the development of a lad like that that's getting that experience with Gitto potentially working on his grubber kicks with maybe Ashley Cooper helping with last week we highlighted a defensive play by Ryan James. Now, now the next generation of kids, they may want a Ryan James shirt instead of a Gitto shirt because now they can see that I've come from the same area as Ryan James. I, I love seeing that. So thanks for bringing that up, Corbs. And then just finally on the game, Utah, they scored four tries. They stayed in it. They played some real good rugby. Um, Ultimately, I think in the, the, the second half, they missed two try chances in the first half. 
the one with the, 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 the kick through where um, they tried to knock it down instead of catching it. There was yeah. one other chance. You know, they weren't certain chances, but there were chances when offload could have got them away. Um, and they missed five points at the start at, at, at goal. I don't think Schulte had his best game. And I don't think T- Mikey Teo had enough touches. And, you know, I don't remember a game where I see Mikey Teo ne- not beating a defender. You've got to beat your very, very best. And they were slightly off it. Um, but I think there's a lot that Utah can be proud coming out of the game because um, LA were back to near their best and uh, Utah hung, hung around for a while. Yeah, I thought LA kicked more, which was nice to see. I think last Absolutely, week I was yeah. screaming at it to kick more. And I think when you got Gitto there and he can read the game and just see the way it was going, if you're not getting the return in the middle of the field, which I think Utah did a good job of nullifying at times, just putting those kicks in behind using clever kick chase, getting the line out, pressuring the set piece, getting the ball back, just adding that wrinkle to LA I thought was important because probably the biggest observation of the whole weekend, and this game is a great example of it, is the gap is closing. The other, the, the, yeah. the, Everyone's had reps now and, and had time together with the team and you can just see the layers of teams' defense, their set piece, everything is catching up and, and it's making it a much more competitive pro, uh, product. So, you know, to have that ability to change your game plan from LA as well was another positive that I liked from it. Yeah, we saw chips from Gitto, Meeks, Goddard uh, and Ryan James for the try all looking for space. Uh, I think they, a slight change, Meeks is very important for them, right? He, he came back, slight change in some of the movement where they were hitting Meeks a little bit deeper as a second playmaker, but there was more movement around it. It was more of like a dummy switch with a short hard line runner outside and everyone being a threat. So Meeks was finding a little bit of space behind and that's actually how they created the chance for the Ribo try. They tried it once before, I think maybe even from set piece, but they were using Meeks in a slightly different way um, after last week getting a little bit uh, stuffed behind the gain line. Uh, and I think that, that that may be a development we see more of along with the kicking game. You know, they certainly added some wrinkles from last week. There you have it. I mean, the atmosphere was great. They had DJ handles warming up the crowd. I mean, couple stars in the in the audience and and people i mean the first time having fans at sofi stadium was, was yeah, brilliant so that occasion was uh was was memorable it was uh infamous and and hopefully again you know there'll be rugby more uh more hopefully major league rugby hopefully sevens could possibly play there hopefully a rugby world cup match and whenever we host it so uh, endless opportunities, but uh, but well done to Adam Gilchrist and team for for making that happen. I know that there was uh, some uh, some sleep that was lost over you know getting that deal done, but uh, I think uh, across the board it was it was a successful event. Isn't it crazy? Out of out of all this that we've just talked about, Todd, you're now talking about potentially having other MLR games there, uh, Olympics and World Cup, and that's like a, a that could happen. And again, that was unfathomable even before this season. So again, massive credit to the ownership group there because they did it on their terms that could grow the the game here Um, and the visibility, the credibility. And it's just phenomenal that we're sitting here in year, year four of MLR talking about that. This week's American Rugby Show was brought to you by Gilly's Legendary Lager. A lager this crushable doesn't come around that often. Let's find out. I stand by that statement. Nola made the trip out west to San Diego to Chula Vista at the Elite Training Center, which is uh, the new home of, uh, of San Diego. And hey, 
Legion look to be in form. They, uh, I, I love seeing it because they had a sense of purpose and pride, and and they defended really well their line. And you could see that they, you know, there's something that switched within that squad, and it was awesome to see, you know, just sort of that dedication and and everything else. And they got a big win over Nola, forty three to seventeen. Hodes, I mean, uh, your, your thoughts? We've been waiting to see this this team happen, and and uh, and it's finally coming together. Wasn't it great to see? Like, so happy for you know, like. The guys have been put in a very, very difficult situation. Uh, it's their fourth different home of the year. Uh, they were living out of uh, suitcases, all the rest of it. We covered it all. But the work that Scott Murray and Zach Test and all the players have put in and to come out of a performance like that and be rewarded here, you know, hopefully that's going to turn the circle. And, you know, we, I'm going to start with a question I ended with last week. A legion out of it. Honestly, well, they, you know, they, if, if you go back to the tape, you know, yeah, you go back to the tape, Corbs, Corbs threw him under the bus. You know, <laughs> I say, there's, you know, you know, next week if they go well, yeah. you know, I, I just looked at it last week and I thought they're not table. If you just look to their performances, you say they're out of it. Like I read on America's Rugby News, right? They had an article. Legion have lost more games in the first eight games of this season than in the entire first three seasons put together. Mental. That's Unbelievable. So if you just look at that, yeah, they're out of it on those performances. However, we know it's San Diego Legion and we know when they're going to get it together. And just looking at the table, do you back Utah? Not, or would you say that it's impossible for Utah to lose three games in a row? I say it's possible for them to lose three games in a row. Legion still have to play Austin. They still have to play uh, uh, Utah. Austin are playing on Wednesday, so if they lose to uh, LA, they're only, uh, I think, six points ahead of Legion on the same number of games. So this Legion team is banging it now, if they can carry this form on. I, I believe they brought in Phil Greening to work with the defence, and, you know, absolute turnaround. They were cutting off the edge, um, as you say, just the, the attitude, um, the, the speed onto the feet. Now, Nola were very poor, and it's like chicken or the egg, because... Um, Legion was scoring off Nola errors, but is it Nola forcing the errors? Uh, you've got to say over the course of the game, you know, you've got, you've got to just say, give credit to Legion. You're on, you bang on my counterpoint back. Like, listen, I thought it was great to see Legion look like Legion of old. Like you could see the game plan clicking again because of the defence. When you add Peterson back and you defend like that, like you're getting back to like Legion's best type of code, how they, how they actually... Um, you know, score from, you know, there was clear, uh, you know, tries from counter attack off their defense, a clear emphasis yep. of the tries they can score. And then just some great defensive sets where they shut teams down and got good reward or forced turnover or forced them to run out of steam. But then my counterpoint was, it Nola didn't look great. And so for me to get on the, are Legion going to make a run? Are they still in it? I need to see them against one more side playing like that yeah. to show me that, that this is the new norm. But ma it was so good to see them looking better. Mm. But I do think Nola took them lightly. I think Nola looked at the results and looked at whatever and and, totally and took them taking cam off. And, and, you know, they got tuned up at the set piece. Didn't have a lot of direction from nine and 10. Didn't offer much. Scored early. Um, but on a whole you know, just kind of hung around there and, and, and Legion did their thing. So for me, I need to see this Legion team go and, and take on, you know, a, a, like 
I just need to see it again against a top side. And, and I could believe you that they're going to string three, four big wins together that bangs yeah. them straight in the playoffs. And it's 100% in their capabilities. With that squad of play, with the 9 and 10 that can actually control the game, and then all your pieces around it. The, the forwards look good as well. Piffoletti back, you know, improves the scrum, gives you yeah. some involvements around the park as well. Um, and on a whole, I thought they played really well and they deserve a lot of credit. Um, you, you know, the venue's not ideal, but at least they're in the area and they're not far away from Torero. I believe they've got some games coming up there and other games at OTC. Yeah, yeah. It, it I mean, was, you, you just, you just got you to gotta feel for the fans. I mean, those were the yeah, diehard sure. fans. I mean, I love going to, you know, USD, Torero, and, and just having that environment. And they don't have it. So, I mean, again, you know, sort of Nola, Nola wasn't their, their selves. Was it because their locker room was a tent and, and they're kind of in the middle of the desert? You know, you could see Mexico, you know, right, right yeah. around the corner, um, or, you know, rather than be, being a professional outfit. So it will be interesting to see them. I just, you know, I just want that atmosphere. I want them fan mm-hmm. engagement. I want them, you know, people playing. And because and, it's a whole production. It's not just what's happening in the 80 minutes yeah. for this league. It's got to be a whole event. It's got to be, you know, passionate behind it. And that's yeah, what they to, to pick up. You've got to think that uh, the NOLA selection, you know, Cam, there's not too many other things they could have done, but Cam Dolan being on the bench, they've, and you've got to think they were underwhelmed. They, they think they're going to roll over a team that's not doing well. They get to that location. They're used to playing in front of fans in, in a stadium. And they're like, you know, this is a difficult situation for us to get up for. And they had all the play in the first 20 minutes, but they didn't convert it through a lot of errors or, or forced turnovers. But um, they've got the second most handling errors in the league. They, 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 they caused themselves so many turnovers, Nola. Um, and just an interesting thing from the game, if you look at it, run meters, uh, just under 600 for uh, San Diego, over 900 for Nola. So way more run meters. Uh, the tackle percentage, you think the Nola, the San Diego defence was good. The tackle percentage was 83%. That's very low. Uh, and, the, and Nola had a better tackle percentage. Um, bad passes, six by Legion, 18 by Nola. So that's Nola shooting themselves in the foot. Um, but one interesting stat. So much more run meters for uh, Nola. Kick meters, 219 for Nola, 726 for San Diego. And just an interesting thing to keep in mind. And by the way, 250 of them were Tyanosa, who was brilliant off the bench in finding space in behind, just putting the nail in the coffin. So um, a thing to bear in mind, when I say that Legion had way less run meters and way more kick meters in the game, Legion have the most carries in the league. And they're, they're not doing well and they're not down the bottom. ATL, who are doing very well and we know have a good defense, have the lowest possession percentage in the league. So if you look at it, sometimes it's better not to have the ball. And if you look at Legion in the past, they always had higher kick meters. They always had the higher tackle numbers than the opposition. And that's what they built off. Now, they couldn't kick so in the past few weeks because they didn't have any kickers on the pitch. Yeah. So, so that, again, very, very difficult situation for the players and coaches to be in. But now you've got Joe coming back. Ethan McVeigh's a great addition. So pleased for him to get his try as well. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at it now, they've probably got three starters left to come back in, considering people like Nate and uh, Dylan are out for the whole season but they've also got some big new signings coming in as well so they get a rest now the bye week and the next game's Houston at home so again they win that one and they're getting all their players back in and then they're going back to Torero the week after they're in they're, they're in this 
Uh, mate, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I, I obviously, if they can keep backing it up, it's it's fair because they looked good. It's just hard after one game to just you know go yup. And when you see some of the other teams in that West Conference who've been rolling for a while, but but if you actually look at the game as well, mate, they played clever too. Like with with their meters, sometimes their carrying or their attack looked a little aimless or you know you know uninspired, very one off runners. But I think it was the Basson try. They went you know Sam up up the middle got a really good hit a like sort of wide hit hit up and then they come back down the short side you catch Nola falling the other way the hands from Tamalau gets Bassant on the edge it's a lot it's a lovely try yeah I mean again if you look at they executed well but on the first try Hanno Dirksen just jumps out of line into no man's land if you're coming line speed you have to stop your feet you can't get past the ball they pass behind him and on two other tries uh, Carl Rogers is the last man but he drifts straight off Africa and Africa goes in virtually without a hand laid on him. Now, in that situation, like your last man, so obviously you maybe you want to drift up, you've got to put him under pressure. And we'll look at some of the other defences in how the last defender is going so hard to pressure the second last attacker. Because you can't just back off near your try line. If you back off, they score. Yep. And that's what happened with Africa. So Kyle hasn't had a lot of game time. Hanno's pretty new. Um, and I don't think those situations are defended well either. And uh, Legion just took advantage of every situation. Absolutely. Which they've got to have credit for. Next game, we had Houston hosting Toronto. Toronto's been sort of a roller coaster up and down, up and down. They found the form again, coming away with a 19 to 10 victory uh, over Houston. I mean, talk about good facility, good crowd, everything else in Houston, but, you know, the performance just came up a little bit short. Uh, Credit to Toronto. I mean, you know, Hose, I know you go diving deep on the, on the tech side of this stuff. What do you think? Yeah, Toronto, they're fighters. They're not quite there in the last couple of weeks, but they're fighters, they believe. And we'll talk about that East Conference in a moment. They're still banging it. Um, and Houston, who've been on fire in attack, but struggling in defence, it was the other way around in this game. Uh, you know, they're just trying to put it together. Um, but, but if they do, they're, they're going to win some games in the run in here. Um, just to look at how they um, tightened up the defence, Early on, um, Toronto ran the same play that they had a lot of joy with, where the two split, centres split and Montero comes out the back. Uh, and Houston, we're talking about Carl, Carl Rogers and, and um, Hannah Dirksen there for Nola. Balakana just flies up and nails Montero, right? Early on, two minutes in. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and he says, you're not scoring there. You're not scoring what you're best at. Now, the, now so that's great defence. Now you need a bit of luck because the next phase, they're narrow because of that. Uh, Toronto have a walk in and drop the ball. But here's the thing. Why not make the attack go to the hardest space to score? Why not make them make one more pass because they might mess it up? And Toronto did mess it up on that occasion rather than let them score with the play that they've been going through on. So Balakana put the pressure on Montero and it worked there. Um, just in this game, picking up some more like defensive things that are interesting to look at. We've been talking about the defence going through on the second level of attack. Toronto uh, did it really well. Uh, again, when the 10 passes early and the lead runners are no threat, bang, you can accelerate through to the second line. Toronto did it on about um, seven minutes. And then, you know, ways to get past that blitz defence. If you are the attacking team, uh, there was a case of um, Toronto hit... When the te they play 9 to 10 from about the 15-metre line, he's generally got two forwards and an option out the back. So what Toronto did, they started to hit the flat runner, and if he gets gain line, then you can play flat and at speed the next phase. But if he doesn't get gain line, you've got to reassess 
what you're going to do next tactically. Um, and the battle between the 10 meter lines is a big feature of the play this week. Who comes out of the, 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 the sort of a play around the halfway line? And sometimes if you get slow ball there, it may be that you have to go to different options. But if you win the game line, then you can start keep, keep playing and play flat the next phases against a retreating defence. No, I, th- I thought it was good. What, what I liked about uh, Toronto was the fact that they it wasn't their usual game plan. Like you said, Houston sort of did a good job of nullifying a lot of that clever play that we, we've seen, seen from them. So they just went and rolled their sleeves up a little bit and had to score, you know, the hard down and dirty way of actually, you know, a lot of pick and go. I think two of... Two of, two of their tries, sort of pick and go, kind of either off a mall or break, breaking sort of those sort of forward carry tries. And um, and for me, it, you know, it was enough to win. It wasn't the most exciting game. I thought the field looked fantastic. The stands looked fantastic. What a venue to be a rugby-specific venue. And absolute credit deserved to Houston to be producing that in this league. It looks professional and I love it. But I just didn't. Um, I, I didn't feel like it was a great game to watch. I, I struggled to get through it a little bit just because it was just a lot of sort of nullifying each other in in the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah. Toronto did go nine phases and fifty five seconds at one stage. Boyer was in the bin. Uh, it was pretty simple rugby, uh, and they just they just wore Houston down. Um, and so they did did a good job there. Uh, obviously, Diana got his uh, pick and go uh, try. You know that, that back row. Even at one stage, talking about the uh, Toronto back row getting the pick and go tries and the hard yards. At one, the first try, they pushed Will Kelly the ten out of the way, and it was Diana to De La Vega to Montero. I mean, unbelievable <laughs> skill from the back row there. Will Kelly was just like pushed <laughs> pushed out the way and admiring the skill. Um, but I think Houston were probably summed up by. The defensive effort was summed up at the end of the game where they had three tacklers tackling Montero out into touch five metres from the try line. Amazing defensive effort. But then their attack was summed up on about the 73rd minute when they spilled the ball backwards. Howden spilled it. They lost 30 metres. Then then they, there was just no one running onto the ball. It was static. Nothing was happening. Eventually they kicked and it was an unbelievable chase. Garber uh, from the charge down gets the try, um, but they had really created nothing in the game. Uh, but but again, I think Paul Healy, you were going to think where they came from, where they were, they were nil twice, they were getting battered. You know, he, they've got something to work with that group now. And obviously we said Boy has been a massive impact, but... but you know, they, they, they've got to start winning. And, uh, you know, that's going to be an interesting game. They go to, to Legion in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a big one for them as well. Western Conference fight. That will be a good one indeed. Next game, we had Austin hosting New York. New York off of a good win over the L.A. team. So uh, definitely Gilcrest probably gave them a team pep talk of uh, we need payback to these uh, Rooney guys. And uh, you know what? This is the second game in a row New York hasn't scored a try, you know, and, and they didn't score a point after 20 minutes. So it was, it was real stagnant from, from, a, from a traveling New York team. But credit to Austin, you know, coming away with a 16-9 to 9, uh, victory. Um, you know, the boys in uh, burnt orange. What do you think, Hodes? Yeah, it's really it's a great point that you bring up there, Todd, because remember the first few weeks, Rooney were throwing it around from everywhere. Their own 22, they wanted to play. They're the team with the most handling errors in the league. And then they win a game against the best team in the league last week uh, through defence, 
uh, but they haven't scored tries. It's it's pretty interesting. And the sterilizers were at it again, Corbs. You said it. I think I was getting sterilized through the TV. I had to go and get some banana bread at one point just to have a sugar hit and stay awake. Um, but having said that, I'm joking. I'm the biggest fan of what the Austin team are doing because they know exactly who they are. They defend, uh, they kick and chase, and they challenge uh, you at the set piece. And and they were they were winning the set pieces. Uh, they were again this. So if you look at this battle between the t- ten meters here, there were a couple of times. Uh, I think McGee kicked one in behind, and then from the resulting lineout, they're still in the lineout. Well, they've got Isaac Ross, they've got De Chavez. They're bloody good in the lineout. So why not kick it in behind? Remember, all kicks are designed to earn you a better possession that you're statistically more likely to score from. So you you can do that. By earning, if you kick it deep, they're going to kick it back. You're going to get great counter attack. Or you can kick it back. You can tur- you can turn them over and challenge them at ruck. Or you can challenge them at that line out. But even if they win that line out, Rooney, and on a lot of occasions they were taking another f- four phases, another thirty, forty seconds in their twenty-two, draining themselves before they kick out. Then they've got to chase again, and then you're running back onto them. So again, I thought the game managed uh, very, very well on the halfway line. So that's why teams kick is the. To- put themselves in a better situation it's not just out of panic and fear uh fear panic yeah but again it, it depends it depends what your game model is so again I, you know i talk about this a lot but we understand exactly what austin do so their players understand exactly what they do and it's you either coach them up to do it or you recruit around it you can't just say we're going to play this style and you haven't got the the, the tools for it but if you've got De Chavez and Isaac Ross, do you think it's a good idea to kick out in the, the opposition 22 and challenge the line out? I think it probably is. Uh, and then, you know, you've got Mooneyham running counter-attacks back. Um, but but th- if you think through that, if you're talking about game models, it's a very uh, South African or English start type game model, right? But just to illustrate this point, Japan, play in, Japan can't play like South Africa or Austin. Because they haven't got the tools for it. Like, you've been there. They have to play fast, very quick ruck ball, move the defence, high ball in play, very, very skillful, uh, and they build their identity around that. Um, uh, and Australia play in a different way, and New Zealand play in a different way. But New Zealand kick more than, kick more than anyone. But we used to have, uh, you know, at Legion, we talk about BOB space, between, outside, or behind. And you're not only looking for space, you're looking for the best space. So not one space is better than the other. And if you have it that you're going to pr- pressure deep in, in behind teams, which is what Legion used to do, and, and defend high up the field, that's why I love what uh, Austin are doing. They've got absolute clarity around that, so they'll win more games than they lose. I, I'm, mate, full agreeance. Um, Austin, Alex, like Alex, a- you're just speechless because you have no idea. You no, just want to scrum. You've got to disagree. You just don't, you just want to it, knock, like, Rob nailed my whole summarization of the game, and I'm like, one We're of our Stephen A. Smith on here. I you know. Just, I wish. I wish you. you, you I wish, you just got to shout at me. Listen, I, I, I think it is mental to see how New York earlier in the season were shooting themselves in the foot, and then now have had this identity of just defensive battlers that are just absorbing huge amounts of pressure but you know rob summarized the game spot on austin the control um the pressure the kicking the defense the game plan is so there like they deserve the title the sterilizers they should be sponsored by 
uh, antibacterial hand wash or something. It's all the rage. Antiseptic, you know what I mean? Like it's all the rage. Dettol, whatever, Lysol, whatever yeah. the brands are. But honestly, like they're they're so good at what they do, and I think Dahas only strengthens that coming in. Great um, signing. You know, Marath as well. I thought is 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 good for them, and and him and and Mason and the control it gave on the game, but. Against Austin, the one, like, the biggest critique I would say against them is their red zone or, say, 22 conversion rate must be terrible if you look and compare it to the league because they are constantly, for huge amounts of games, camped down in teams 22s. You know, whether they're grinding them at the mall, playing phases, trying to squeeze out, but they dominated that first half for, and, and I believe they were, what was it? They were like nine, three down for most of the half. Like it was unbelievable that they had this ability to dominate games, but the only thing missing, which I only can assume is going to keep getting better for them as they have more time is how, when they get down to the 22, they can convert more of that into points because the fact that they finished 16, nine with like the amount of control they had on the game, you know, yes, Rooney put some gutsy defensive performances in. I thought Will Leonard again, emptied the tank for them around the park and just the passion and the energy and the way he sort of you know pours it out in defense he had a few key nice little line breaks and everything yes New York didn't score but they were pivotal for getting them down to the areas that they eventually got the penalties from in the game but just the fact that Austin couldn't blow a team out with that much control is the only criticism I can give them because they are controlling the facets facets of the game through the boot the set piece the control like they're, they're a tough out in this league and they're going to be right up in the mix in the playoffs with that style of rugby because traditionally, knockout rugby or championships are usually won by a team that has a lot of the components that they have right now. Yeah, and I think we had a glimpse of that list this week with New England, uh, Atlanta, because they're similar teams, right? And they're built around a similar theme. Uh, so it would be interesting to talk about that. But just on this game, Rooney uh, uh, gave up 61% territory to Austin, mainly because they conceded um, many more penalties. Uh, you know, if you, if you do, as I said, if you do try and overplay on halfway against a great defence, you're likely to concede more turnovers than create line breaks against a really, really good defence. Like we used to have an adage at Wasps, when it came to the big games, when we're playing against Leicester and it's a big game, don't let them tackle. What do, what do you want to do in a, ma- in a big game? You want to get your tackles in early. You want to get above the game line. So just turn them and, and take that heat away uh, and frustrate them. And then they can't get into their defensive shape. That's what they feed off. So take it away from them. Um, and I thought Austin did that well. And just, just another little comment on their defence. In the 77th minute, Rooney try and shift wide. And they just closed the door from the outside. Cole Davis actually should have got an interception. He dropped it. But just a really good illustration of Austin sticking to their guns late in the game and shutting it down. And as we look back and we're talking about all that advantage for Austin and uh, where they you know, had the upper hand, it could be a good bonus point in the end for Rooney. Going away to a strong team. Atlanta do it again at home, winning 33-18 to against New England Free Jacks. Um, you know what? It means a lot. We said it last week how much it means to those players at home, at that crowd, uh, home field. Corbs, what are your, uh, what's, what's your uh, instant on that one? I thought Atlanta looked pretty good. It, it, it's a closer game than the score probably gives uh, reflection on. I thought it, you had two you know, teams that use defense you know, a lot of the time as a foundation of how they want to approach 
their game. And, and and I thought, you know, it was an interesting battle. If you actually look uh, at the tries, um, you know, Atlanta, the, the Van Rensburg try off the drive. What, what I liked is, is that uh, the Free Jacks, which is very risky, but they actually did the backing off or the non-engaging at the mole five meters out. That's probably the one place you usually don't see it. But um, uh, is it Momsen in, in the second row? He The way that he keeps hold of the ball, doesn't chance for it, and then they get Free Jacks to engage, and then the patience they had to finish that mole, I thought was very well done. Um I thought then the the use of the boot and the kicking game is it, it got them the next two tries. You had um, Carlsa's uh, kick through uh, for, for a nice little try, um, exposing the space in the back, and then Petz's kick off the the turnover from Poland, exposing that space in the back. That's sort of bread and butter of how Atlanta want to play, and and I thought they did a good job. I thought they fronted up really well at set piece. The scrum t- tied a tightened a screw for them at the yeah. end. But also the Free Jacks fired some really good shots and, and stayed in the game and, and kept it close until the end when they were really down and stretched with the yellow cards till, um, you know, it was an arm wrestle of a game. I, I, I loved the, tr- I thought Harry Barlow had a fantastic try. Um, I loved the Poland try because of the detail that we'll, we'll get into later. Like it was a very exciting game and it was interesting to see two sort of styles that, that are quite similar in some ways clash and see who was going to get the better of it. Yeah, I mean, they love, but both teams love coming up with line speed. They love, uh, I mean, ATL are just brilliant at cutting off the nine pass to the first forward. They, they, one goes low from inside, the outside goes hard to end you, and then they just slow it down. It's very difficult as an attack to get momentum from there. New England love to do the same thing, catch you behind the gain line. Then you've got Heaton uh, getting breakdown steals for ATL. You've got Conradi doing the same thing for <laughs> New England. And it's like, where's the knockout punch going to be landed here? Uh, two heavyweights just going toe-to-toe. Uh, and I think uh, a, a bit of detail around it, like uh, Corb said, I think the, the Barlow try, in the build-up to this try, New England had done it a couple of times where... They tried to play, again, so what we've got to ask ourselves in these situations is, how do you have success against a blitz? We've talked about kicking, but it's not only about kicking, right? There's got to be a lot of other things. The easiest way is to get gain line first phase. Because as soon as you get gain line first phase, and then the, 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 the defence is trying to reset, it's very difficult for them to come up with the same kind of line speed unless they've slowed the ruck speed down. So getting fa- gain line first phase is a great way. Uh, changing direction a lot is a great way, so they, they don't know quick, quite which way to set, and it puts a bit of doubt in their heads. Going through the middle or locking out an area where you keep running at the same area and tiring certain generally sort of type five forwards out, there's many different ways to kick to compete, kick to find space. But if you're trying to get outside a blitz, which you can do, one tactic is you can go deep, deep. So you go two deep passes, which draws the blitz right up. But that second pass, the playmaker is so deep that they can't get him man and ball. But then the key thing is you have to have hard lines off that playmaker. If you just go to that playmaker and then he plays flat, they can actually push off if it's that deep. So what they did was twice, Johnson made a break on the right and then they did the same break on the left where they went to the secondary deep playmaker. Then they have a short, very hard line off him. Jansen ran a great line and then they can go out the back again. And it just on the try, it made the Petzer had to then uh, commit to the, the, the ball out the back, which left a three on one on the edge because they by drawing them higher up the pitch than they wanted to do and the winger couldn't make that distance. So that left the space for Barlow and then Corbs, you might want to talk about um, 
about the Poland try, which we were discussing earlier, which, you know, we, we really, really enjoyed. Really enjoyed it, mate. And it, it's just the little details. I love this. And, and you always find something with the Free Jacks when you watch their game, like something pre-planned or something clever that they've sort of come up with in, in their, their analysis. And that's what I love. The Poland try, if you look at it on the outside, you just see him take the quick tap penalty and he runs in. But rewind that a little bit back to 51.09 on the clock, all right? They're about 40 meters out from their own line, about 5, 10 meters in on the touchline on, on the far side from where the try scored. And Poland looks like he's about to box kick, okay? He sets up. He's got his forwards there. Um, the Atlanta defense is all looking like they're going to defend this box kick. They're talking about who's going to put pressure on the kick. All of a sudden, they have a cancel call. They play the ball out the back to quite a flat attacking line, but because they were dummying to box, there's no line speed from Atlanta. That allows them to get... The defence are looking over their shoulder, getting ready to reset, so they're not coming up. So a bit of deception. Absolutely. And it was just really clever. Took the line speed away from Atlanta. How do you do that? Because they think they're getting back to try and win that important kick to compete contest to to fill the field in that area. Okay. All of a sudden, then that allows them to get the ball, not being incredibly deep or incredibly under pressure. They get the ball to Barlow. He's got some time. He can then put that kick through in the back. And then what I love about it is the chase. You've got the three backs hunting in a line there. They feel the field to shut down the passing option. That sort of means that um, Atlanta have to take that content. And then you've got the seven sort of hunting in behind. Perfectly scripted there to go push the pressure on the breakdown. They they commit to the tackle. They get the turnover. Then Poland tapping goes and he scores. And that's why it's such a beautiful piece of play. It's just because it's really, really clever. And that's got to be something they've done on the training park. And it worked to absolute perfection in that moment there. And that's why I love it. Yeah, it was beautiful. And um, so here's the question, Corbs. You're saying, you know, they work these great things out. Do you think that was pre-planned? I don't know if the try and the tap was pre-planned, but the turnover to get the result... To get but the I mean, result. I mean, from the from setting up the box kick to the yes, pass to Royal. I think that was pre-planned. I, I completely I think it was. disagree. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You think they just cancelled. You think they just no, cancelled. I, I, I think Boyle, I think, I think Boyle over, over-called it. Uh, listen... I'd love to know if it was, uh, 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 they do train a fake box kick. I think Boyle just saw better space. Because again, if you listen to someone like George Ford, George Ford, the England fly half, talks about not just looking for space, but looking for the best space. So they, in my mind, they had their plan. Poland was going to kick. He's very good at it. And Boyle just, hang on a minute. And, and, and they, the halfback um, link, they trusted the call. Boyle's the main man. He's got the vision. And he made that decision. And, and again, when we're talking about BOB space, between, outside, behind, your plan might, in that space might be, we're going to slow it down, we're going to kick, we're going to put the pressure on. But if there's better space, you play to the space. And that is a well-coached team giving uh, ownership to the players to see what they play in front of them within a framework. Because if you're just trying to throw it to space all the time, you're going to get eaten up around that area of the field. But within that framework, they, I think they, you know, they saw that space and executed it brilliantly. The only thing that makes me think it was pre-planned was how detailed the chase line was after that with the seven. That's my only <laughs> real... No, no, and you might have a report, but that's like what I'm basing that on because obviously it, it just looked like a normal box and I could see there's an override call from outside, but it's just the intricacy of having that seven trailing that perfectly. You've got all your best pieces off there. 
You're, you'll always get that anyway. That, that's the point of having a great kick chase. Because if you're boxing, you're always going to pull two forwards out. You're generally, if you've got an organised uh, box, you're going to f- pull two back rowers out to give you width on the chase, right? So they're going to, if, if you kick on the, if, if your backs are all on the front foot and you've brought the full back up to defend the last man, which means the blind wing is the only co- covering defender, then you're always going to have a three man chase and you always have a back row connected to it. But again, that's something that your players will know. You've practiced it. Another thing is, if you if you have turnover ball, often the best space is in behind because there's no organised defence. And so, if you if, if you practice that in de- in training, which you should do a lot, because tries to score from turnover, then you'll know that you're going to be on the front foot against one isolated retreating defender, and you're going to get a back row there as quick as possible because you're looking for the turnover. Um, so, again, it's not like painting by number. Um, painting by numbers, it's subtle brushstrokes. I like that. And you can paint outside the lines a little bit. I don't know. What's the metaphor? I don't know. But but, but, but I'm just saying, the players have got ownership, they're well coached, and they saw the space and they went to it. And and I would just say after that, um, because that was 1918, and uh, what a game was on there. Uh, This was the game of the weekend for me. And then... Uh, how did ATL close it out? Uh, I, I'm unfortunately to say, um, like Vili's transfer, Vili Tolatau's transferring from a back row to a, a hooker. He's struggling with his throwing. He struggled against Legion. He, he, he lost a lot of lineouts. He started against Legion. He got yellow carded against Legion. And in this game, he comes off the bench. He struggles with lineout and he gets yellow carded. And so, what at that point did ATL do? They just kicked out of play in uh, the New York uh, 22 and they won those lineouts because Villy wasn't throwing in well and then when he was yellow carded they didn't have a hooker so they just closed it out by getting field position and, and playing very simple and two yellow cards so I think the message went on and again uh, you know very well played there by Scott Lawrence no it was good O'Keefe finished that try really well and, and I thought that boy can play can't he yeah I know <laughs> mate he's just on fire at the moment and what a pickup it's got to be the like the signing or the late pickup or some oh, some award some award or something it, it's yeah. got to be it, it's got to be entitled for that pickup and his performances so far in the year and then lastly I would say it was the scrum where I really thought they turned the screw at the end there five yep. meters out got the second yellow um, and, and just accumulated for them and it, it's that um, the Fijian international tight head that they bring on at the end of the games is an absolute weapon at set piece, and and just yeah. you know, I I thought they it was a good scrum battle all game, but when he came on, he, he really obliterated, and then you got Ross Deacon coming off the back of a of a powerful scrum, and we know how much of a devastating carrier he is at short range as well, yeah. and I thought they did a professional job of closing that one out because it was it was tight after that um after that uh, after that uh, try bringing it to nineteen eighteen. Yeah, and let's and again, I, I'm I'm just kind of labouring a point. But if your if your game model is defence, field position, scrum, and line out, and we're talking both teams are somewhat similar in that, I think uh, you know New England are also very very creative. Um, but you know, let's speak in general terms. Well, all of a sudden you haven't got a line out because you can't throw in, and all of a sudden your scrum capitulates, and then you've got yellow cards. So where does the balance of the game go? Then Atlanta win it, and Deacon's having a good time, isn't he? <laughs> Two dream. tries combined, five meters distance. The impact, Mike's young Alex coming Corsero. off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> 
Seattle traveling across country to DC to face Old Glory and uh, it just slipped through their finger fingers. Um, 22 to 18, they fell. Uh, DC was victorious. Um, Hose, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I thought it was, um, it was again, much improved uh, Seattle. I mean, Corbs was just mentioning they've got, they could have gone three in a row here because they were, if you just go on its simplest form, they should have beaten Rooney if they could have kicked at goal. And they, they missed three kicks at goal. They would have won that game. Uh, then they beat Legion. Um, and then they could have had this game as well. They're, they're much improved. Um, but it was scrappy. I felt like it was a little bit nerve-wracking at the end as well. It was edgy because... Really, I, we'll talk about this as well. It's the fight to stay in it. And I, I think with this loss, they're out of it. I, I think if they'd have won this, there was an outside chance because they're improving. And and I think there's a chance to go on a run in the West, um, but couldn't quite do it. And, and, and the opposite for the OGs, they did manage to do it. They were edgy as well. It came down to the last play. But they, if they'd have lost, I think they were out in the East. Uh, but they're very much, I think they're like six points or four points even off second now, you, you know, the fight for second. But, you know, Robert Sonana, excellent again. Um, started where he left off last uh, week. Great line for the first try. Uh, another chip for a try. We've seen so many now. Um, we've seen the value in them. Uh, and Tusitala then picked it up to Fraser, who I thought was also very good on the day. Um, and then their third try, another example of um, how you can break uh, defences down that are coming and putting pressure on you. This was a different example. Uh, we've talked about scoring early, creating uh, opportunities early or, or putting pressure in behind. This was 14 phases and 2 minutes and 14 seconds of attack. And to do that, you have to keep... They, they, on the first phase, they were 20 metres over the gain line. And the first phase was just inside uh, the 10 metre on their 10 metre. Then they got to the opposition 10 metre. Then they're in attacking zone with a retreating defence. And they kept playing and playing and playing. And they had the ability, the skill level, the, the, the shape to keep threats across the field. And eventually they got their rewards. Um, so that's, you, you know, that's also fantastic to see attack be so confident, like the Utah first try against LA, to go through over two minutes of attack with great options testing defence. So that was fantastic for them. And then, and then again, they added the uh, Saseni Faggy uh, line out uh, drive try as well for four tries and a bonus point. I thought Seattle looked pretty good. I think they're improving. There's no doubt about it. I just think their defense is much better. The organizational play of their game is much better. And they've also just got some improved personnel, some some additions in across the board at, at 10 in the forwards pack, which, which is making a big difference for them. I thought Samu Manoa you know, deserves a lot of credit. That is the most athletic I've seen Samu Manoa look in years. And the fact that they've got someone like that, he was putting big hits in. He got two turnovers at the breakdown. Yeah. You can always play him at eight as well and then put someone else in the row too as another option in that team. I thought he is another asset there. Landry coming off the bench to me as well as another player that I'm pretty high on as well. So reinforcements yeah. are arriving. The restructure of coaching, however mind-boggling at Seattle it may have looked on paper, yeah. seems to be uh, transferring to an improvement on the field. And then I thought DC, 
you know, they, they did enough to win. I thought Seattle could have easily won that game with the missed opportunities they had, which the, which would have haunted them for these last three games, but especially the bookends of either side of the San Diego win would have given them that three-from-three three run and would have completely changed the trajectory of their season looking ahead. But uh, Old Glory deserve a lot of credit. Um, I thought that, you know... Roberts Tanata, and full full disclosure, I got that name the wrong way around last week, so apologies to him and, and everything as well. Had a sensational game. Looks unplayable at times in the wide channel. Creates something, uh, getting you know just a hard line to score from short out, but also just key involvements across the board. Um, you know the Fraser try and, and and his involvements there as well, and then Tusitala with the gather was phenomenal. And then you know I've been shouting out the front row uh, on, on and on uh, throughout these pods. And there wasn't maybe tons across the weekend, whatever. But there was one man who who caught my eye this week. All right, uh, a, a one and only Stevie Longwell. All right, the big Scotsman at tight end, the tackling machine, tackling machine. But two breakdown turnovers, one yeah. a clean turnover, one a penalty. Longwell, Stevie, this one's for you, mate. Longwell, that gill is away from yourself. Stevie Longchug, uh, I should say, because he absolutely, I thought, had a great performance and it's great to see. And, and, and if I catch it, it doesn't go unmissed on this pod and we will shout it out. So, uh, well done, big man. There's got to be some gillies in the post, hasn't he? I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's waiting for the post now, isn't he? Yours, like, well? is, still, yours is still in the, in the post, mate, as well. well so. I, I, I think you've got to send it to Longwell before you send it to me. <laughs> I ain't seen any ball. Absolutely, mate. And on a whole... It was actually a reasonably entertaining game, even though it wasn't super flash because it was close, because it was competitive. Um, and, and I think Old Glory, uh, you know, they finished their road trip. It was it was a tough outing on the West Coast for them. And, and to come back and get the W uh, w- w- was a good effort from them and good to see. Yeah, you're talking about not flash, but um, the uh, Ross Neal try, fantastic from a right-hand scrum. Uh, the way uh, Turner just... Uh, Channel hopped, I call that a channel hop where, where you're in one channel, but you, you can draw that defender that's on you, but then you also edge out and you turn the hips of the last defender in. And the way he, he got that pass away to, to Ross Neal, who's obviously a constant threat out there, fantastic. And, uh, you know, we wish um, Turner well. He, he went off injury, it looked nasty. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge loss for them. You mentioned Manoa coming back was outstanding. Landry, they've also got Dewey, who's a fantastic signing as well. He only got a few, he got like 20 minutes. But he's gonna have a big impact. But um, Alatimo was excellent. Uh, but but Turner, you know, hope he can hope he can get back it for the business end of the season. Although it, it may be too late, uh, maybe too late there for Seattle. And the OGs, uh, uh, I was fumbling around for the standings before, but they're four points off second, six points off top. So uh, they're bottom of the East, but they're they're primed to go on a run. <laughs> so close, mate. Oh, Unbelievable. Nice. It's yeah, that, that and, East Coast Conference is just something else. I mean, you know, two weeks, it could just be completely flipped over. Less than two yeah. weeks, though. It has been every week, right? Yeah. Some of the bottom, they go up the top, then you expect something about the bottom. What's your uh, take on the conferences, Todd? Where do you think they stand against each other? Yeah, I mean, well, that's when, you know, the whole build-out of it. And it's the American sports model of, you know what, we got to do two different conferences, and, and this is how we're going to do it. Um, so maybe in the grand final, is it going to be the best two teams? I'm not sure. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, tying out, you know, find out for the West Coast, you, you, you kind of see 
uh, who's been in form, but you you, you see some uh, some late dogs as as we saw San Diego come through. If they get those guys come over from uh, the last signings, and then they're going to keep on performing and getting those results, uh, they're going to be in playoff contention. And you know that's going to be a hard team to beat. Um, you know, got the sterilizers, uh, the AGs in Austin. Um, Utah's been playing well, but can they can they win finals rugby? I just don't think their defense is strong enough. Okay. Um, LA, you know, that's 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 the team to be for sure. So I mean, the, between out of those four teams, uh, even though that uh, Utah's been you know ranked number two going into this weekend, I don't I don't see them uh, you know moving forward just because of that defensive effort. And then on the East Coast, it's you know. Flip of a coin, blind throwing darts. Who uh, knows? Drink, drink ten of these and then figure it out. I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's uh, it's it's a tough one, but uh, but it's definitely made for an excitement thing. And and like we touched on, I think it was last week or the week before. If a season is is underway and we're halfway through, and any team can really you know ha- have a chance of making playoffs, or, or we don't know who the top four teams are going to be, uh, that's a success. We just wanted to. We just wanted to be played in a good environment with fans and a good stadium. We just yeah, don't yeah. want it to be in a park with with different lines. How's this then at the top of the East? Um, ATL because it's so tight and you're looking for different things, right? ATL have a points difference of thir- plus thirty six. Rooney a second and they have a points difference of minus forty six. So Rooney is second, and they have the worst points difference in the East. It's bizarre. It's fascinating, I, I, mate. It's it fascinating. It's so bizarre. I don't know what to make of it. I, I, I honestly feel, so if you look at the East Coast, I think um, they had their pack of, you know, Peloton, what you want to call it, like the the are all pretty tight together. They're all kind of had same issues in preseason, sort of similar place. And you've seen a lot of up, down, up, down, back and forth. The West probably had LA that started off, you know, guns blazing. You had Austin that have just put a consistent slide together. Utah um, are, are in and about it. And then now you're seeing San Diego improve. Now you're seeing Seattle improve. If you'd asked me yes. early on, I think it was easy to say that the East is the most competitive and has more depth. But by yes. the time we get to the playoffs, mate, mm. it could go either way. The West is going to tighten up. And yeah. and what, the thing that I can't wait for is when we get to knock out rugby. When we get to knock out on the day rugby, like it's going to be unbelievable to see these style clashes and who gets it done yeah. and who changes. Like in some of the teams that just go guns blazing, will they tighten it up for knockout rugby or will they die on the shield? Like it, it, it's it's interesting to see. And then probably the last point I would make when looking at the two conferences is especially the East. If you're the actual league and the MLR, you're pulling your absolute hair out wondering what way this conference is going to finish because you're trying to plan the playoffs. So you're trying to think yeah. who's going to ho- who gets home field advantage, who's yeah. going to host it, where are we going to do this thing? And it might come down to the last weekend and you're going to have to scramble to set it up. So for me, it's great for the league. It's great for the sport. It's great for the fan base. It, it, it went, This competitiveness that is sort of creeping its way through the West, which has been here the whole time on the East, is just great for the, the product in general. Yeah, I'm wondering, what, looking at it at the moment, I'm wondering, is there a case for the top three qualify in future seasons? Yeah, I think so. I think, are, I think a future season's got to. be so worthy. And, and, and I'd love to see more 
cross-conference games within the playoffs. I, but I think we're, because we're, basically we're going to see the top two from the West, the top two from the East play each other, and then we only get one real big end-of-season cross-conference game. I'd like to see some more of that in the playoffs. Completely agree, mate. Completely I, I, wish I there was more. I 100% agree with you. And if it's two East Coast teams in the finals, you know, yeah. so be it. The if it's best. two West Coast teams, people mate, have to have yeah. that opportunity. And, and, I, and I'm with you with having, you know, the, the three, the top three, you know, then the two and three have have that fight, you know, against a cross, have the, a bye for the top, and then, then you have that yeah. semis, and then you go forward without, without yeah. a doubt. I'm with you. Another and question, another question yeah. on you guys on the league and finals rugby, you know what, for the Shield, do you think it should be an, it should be at a location predetermined? Like at the beginning of season, this stadium, this date, this is what's going to happen. Or do you think it should be home field advantage for the number one seed? What are your thoughts, Hodes? Uh, mate, obviously I've been in the league. It's changing now. Uh, and it, firstly, it's a great credit to the league that we're saying the top three should be in because in years gone by, maybe those the, 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 the number threes weren't good enough, Right. Now, where again, I'm, I'm giving that for context. Where we are as a league, I don't think we can say that. I don't think we can say it's a neutral venue. You know, we're, you know, pick, we're going to go to the Atlanta Falcons Stadium or something, massive event, because you need local fans. We're not big enough yet to say that everyone's going to travel to uh, a neutral stadium. If it could be, let's say we've got New York and Toronto in the final, in, in seasons gone by, I know obviously there's going to be at East Coast, uh, but the final's in LA. Who's going to go to it? I, I just think for, for the atmosphere, for where we are at the moment, uh, uh, it's not ideal. It should be a neutral venue, but I think we need to fill the stadium and look at it looking great on TV, and you'll do that with a home fan, fan base. I, I think that's probably the biggest the point you've made there, Rob. Like, Ideally, I think it should be at, at, at the best venue where it looks great and you try yeah. and make it an event and a destination but multiple factors. We've had COVID. We've had the interruptions. Traveling isn't as normal normalized as it would normally be. Um, you know, the sort of rugby traditional calendar has been turned on its head because they've just been put on hold for so long. So finding other events that make sense to partner partner it with, um, you know, are a little more difficult. For, so for this year, I completely agree that a home field that is going to deliver you a crowd makes the most sense. Like, yeah. because you want it, you don't want it to be a ghost town. You need an no. atmosphere there. Like that Seattle versus San Diego game, as tough as it is for you to relive yeah. Hodes, the atmosphere was fucking banging. Like it was yeah. banging. Like it was like, it was awesome. And, and it goes with it. And just, you know, like when you see a game at Utah and they've got a crowd, Houston are starting yeah. to build a crowd. Like, Mate, it lifts the atmosphere. It's refreshing for fans who are desperate to see sport again with crowds. For me, it, it's everyone's all-round winning. You guys are sugarcoating on it. I, I mean, Rob, I, I disagree just yeah. because of I don't think each of the team um, has has a facility that's good enough. You know, and, and, yeah. and especially if we're especially if we're trying to sell this to a better product, if you know, for an ESPN, for a CBS Sports, you know, for mainstream TV, what it's going to be, and have a chance to hit sixty million homes in America, and you know, aired globally, you can't have it in a park, you can't have it at Chula Vista Lake Trail, sure. you can't have American football fans. Yeah, so there's, these, certain, there's certain these teams, the Todd. You're bang on that just are ill-prepared. They cannot have... I'm amazed that New York have the game of the week on TV this week at their home stadium. As harsh as it is to say, I love Rooney. 
great guys, great everything. The fact that the league's allowing that to put that on national television when it looks like that to me is a, is is a decision I would lean the other way. And for when it comes to the final and the big windows they get on TV where they're really trying to push an audience, you've got to be in as professional looking environments yeah. as possible for for the brand of the league, for the for the value of the league, and and even from the ownership group, just their investment. You know, they want to look from appearances as part of. Of, of what's going to drive your investment price up, of, of what you're pumping cash into. So for me, it makes perfect sense that you want that product to look as professional as possible so so, so that, you know, your your brand increases when you get the most eyeballs on it when you get to these big win, uh, games. I, I, you know, since you, since you did bring up New York, I, I want to I know what the viewership, you know, decline is and what the injury is, you know, of a player. Because I've seen people, you know, twist their ankles, get caught on that turf. It's one of the like, yeah. bad turf. And then people that are watching it, non-rugby fans, they don't know what's going on, you know, with, with all the yeah. different lines and everything else. So I, I yeah, wonder, Todd, you you've know, done me there. You've done me. I've completely changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he won me round two. I went pretty full circle on my original <laughs> point. point. No, because, because sorry, in my mind, I, I was thinking about that final uh, at San Diego uh, as an example. And the atmosphere there, and like, you know, whether we won or lost, the atmosphere was so, so special. And we'd been building up to and the Seattle fans were great. Uh, and I just think about, imagine if we'd have travelled to somewhere neutral for that and it'd been like, oh, we're kind of rugby fans. Mate, the passion, like, uh, you know, don't get into it too much, but like I saw that stadium like seven years ago and I was like, I had a dream of like, could we, could we do something here in San Diego and fill that stadium with passionate fans? And like, it was just, it was unbelievable. I wouldn't want to take that neutral that out of it by going somewhere neutral where people don't really care because it's so special. But as I think through it, you can't have it at ATL. You can't have it at Rooney. Even if you're looking at places like Houston, you know, I'm not talking about whether the teams get through or not, but just the, the venues, you can't have it at Starfire for me. It's not good enough. It's not big enough. It doesn't host enough people. We had 7,000 at our final. You, you can't get 7,000 in Starfire. You can't even Houston. You, I don't know how many you can get in. So maybe you need a bigger venue in that area, uh, but it still needs to be based around one of the uh, the, the, the competing teams, um, but in a bigger, more suitable area. I'm not sure, uh, you know, and this obviously see rental think, things, You but... know, you know what if what if you know what if the league you know sort of made that and that sort of all the owners kind of had that agreement where you know what if you are New York. Um, and you are the best yeah. team in your host. We're playing at Red Bull. We can yeah, actually play exactly. at Red Bull. At we Red can Bowl. actually, yeah. you know, fit that sort of build because the broadcasting. Yeah. And I mean, that yeah. is the dream. But, you know, it, yeah. it wouldn't be right for us as, you know, purists of the sport and wanting us to succeed to just be yes men, yes sir, yes this, yes ma'am, any yeah. of those sort of things and just, you know, go along with the ride. You have to sort of question that, you know, the authority of, you know, hey, maybe we should add the three top three teams. Yeah. Hey, hey, maybe the, the, maybe we shouldn't have these as game of the weeks because if these questions aren't going to be answered, the league's not going to get better. The people on top aren't going to be, be better. And then that's the mutual respect. We're not shitting on anybody, but yeah. we're, we're, we're questioning being like, hey, it. thought about this. Yeah, we used to, in England, Todd, we would have, as a premiership team, you have your home ground and then you have to name at the start of the season your facility for hosting, uh, say you get to a European quarterfinal, it has to be over a certain capacity. So you have to have like 15,000 fans there. And if your home stadium doesn't accommodate that, then you have to have an agreement with a stadium in your area to host. 
So you I know, think we need, host, you need to write that contract up, you know, because I think that's brilliant. I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't have thought about that before, but obviously it's been done before. And I think that should definitely be implied with each of the MLR teams yeah. to do it because I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a problem because you want to, you want to um, reward the team. That's the top seed. I'm, I'm all for that, but you can't reward a team mm -hmm. that's a top seed that doesn't have the facility, that doesn't yeah. have the infrastructure, that doesn't right. have the things to give, you know, people traveling around. And then I say, you know, you know, for August 1st, if it's going to be at this stadium, you know, you just go on, you know, American Airlines and you buy it out a couple months in advance. The flights are cheap when you when you plan it out right. And yeah, I mean, that is the other great, problem. What a great airline American Airlines is. I mean, the comfort, the service. The, the, the customer service and they just started serving gillies on american airlines so. <laughs> oh, dude i just i just saw like a ding on your teeth as you smiled there. <laughs> do you want to plug your toothpaste or i don't know <laughs> so fun yeah oh. no i think you're right if we can get to the point where because the other thing is for fans booking travel and doing everything late is a shambles so like let's say like i don't know you 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 like say I don't know, like the Houston Soccer Stadium. US, you played there, Todd, right? Yep. Um, that's a beautiful stadium. You, you, if you said at the start of the season, because people, American rugby fans, they're they're hungry for these occasions. So when the Soldier Field games come up, people just mark the calendar and say, "I'm going to allocate my rugby budget exactly. to going to that game." I don't think that we're there yet with MLR, but hopefully we get to a point where if you say, I don't know, one year it's at Soldier Field, here's the date. Market to start your diaries, and everyone in rugby is going to go there. That that would be the most ideal situation. And it's about building an environment, an entertainment company that people are not just there for eighty minutes; they're there yeah. for the whole weekend. There's going to be such big things, and um, you know, and, and that's what we're building towards, and that and that's no, our goal. No, I agree, lads. I'm a big believer in like eventually the final is you know a big weekend where there's potentially an MLR final. Uh, you know, a New Zealand v Australia game and yeah. the US sevens have an invitational tournament or something that plays over two days and everyone's in all the rugby fans in America sort of coincide into one big weekend and it all happens. Like, I think that's what you've got to aim for and what I've got, got to be creative for in the US landscape is putting on these events that have pull factors to get the American fan base to conjugate in one place because they are so dispersed across such a vast country. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's a great idea. It's where we've got to head to. I don't think we've been yeah. ready for it in the MLR, but I think we're getting there. All right. No, I completely agree. And I think that is the perfect time to wrap up the breakdown. You know, we always go along on this show because we love it and we're absolute <laughs> nauses. But, but I feel we covered a lot there from, the, the, you know, some of the best analysis out there in the MLR to some really insightful points, to some great sort of experiences of ourselves. Uh, another great show, lads, and, and really appreciative of both your times to come on here. 100%. Always a pleasure. All right, well, that is a wrap on this week's Round 9 MLR Breakdown for the American Rugby Show, for Alex Corbusera, for Todd Clever, for Rob Hoadley. Thanks for tuning in. Keep making sure to subscribe to our podcast on audio or on YouTube to check us out on the Rugby Network as well and to follow us on Instagram at, at the American Rugby Show and on Twitter at, at the Am Rugby Show. Appreciate all the support. Keep sharing the word. Keep spreading our cause. We'll see you all next week and keep an eye out for the state of the Union with Sam Wuching that will be dropping as well.
Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.